I'm Matthew Gill, and you're listening to Gospel Tangents. It's the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology. I'm Rick Bennett. I'm excited to have another prophet on Gospel Tangents. This time it's Matthew Gill. He's a prophet in the UK, and we're going to learn more about the plates that he's translated and find out more about uh, his church, the Restored Branch of Jesus Christ. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation, and uh, we'll find out that uh, this has ties to Stonehenge. So you won't want to miss this episode. Check it out. Well, welcome to Gospel Tangents. I'm excited to have a prophet all the way from the UK. So could you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. My name is uh, Matthew Gill. And I am the prophet and first elder of the restored branch of Jesus Christ based in Derbyshire in England. Derbyshire. Now, we, it looks like Derbyshire to us Americans, but it's Derbyshire. That's how you say it? Derbyshire, yeah. yeah. Now, I used to live in, in New Hampshire, and uh, they used to say Worcestershire sauce. How do you say that? Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Oh, okay. And I used to live in Worcester. <laughs> yeah, Worcester, yeah, we got a Worcester, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know all those cities are named after uh, England. So, well, this is exciting because I think your church has gone through some name changes, hasn't it? Didn't it used to be the Latter Day Church of Jesus Christ or something like that? Yeah, it did. Yeah, when we first started, oh, way back in 2006, we we went for the Latter Day Church of Jesus Christ, I think, and then. Um, we got into some legal wrangles with the LDS church. And oh, really? Yeah, we, we, we got into some legal wranglings, and we, we came to a, an amicable decision in the end, so we just had to change our name. So we did. So uh, the official name, can you give it to me once again? Yeah, the official name of the organization is the Restored Branch of Jesus Christ. The Restored Branch of Jesus Christ, okay. So it's funny, I've had a... You know, Gospel Tangents, we love to talk to different restoration groups. And we've got the the Righteous Branch, um, which they like to call themselves Christ Church. Um, they're, they're here in, uh, in Utah. Um, so it's funny. Everybody has very, very similar sounding names. And I know that uh, the, the super Orthodox and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I, I like to just stick with LDS Church. But... You know, there's so many churches with similar sounding names that we, we kind of need to distinguish ourselves better, I think. So anyway, so tell us when, because you were, you were originally a member of the LDS Church, is that right? Oh, yeah. I was born and raised LDS, you know, baptized, served a mission, married. Where did you serve your mission? Served a mission in Ireland. Okay. Yeah. So um, I only served 18 months, came home and unwell and um then i went to work for the lds distribution center and that's where i met my wife and then we got married and went to the temple oh nice yeah yeah so yeah well lds born and raised so yeah there's, there's no weirdness there it's just um we parted ways in about 2006 2006 and so um did they kick you out or did you leave of your own accord? Far from it. I mean, if you want to go right back to the beginning when I was in the LDS church. Okay. I I had 
a spiritual experience when I was about 12 in 1990, where I saw an, an angel, I saw Moroni in the gold plates, and we, my, my father and I went and we, we, we told the bishop and we told the state president, so we were told pretty much to, you know, keep it to ourselves, don't tell anybody, don't, don't bandy it about, so... I, I grew up just having that, having that experience on my mind. And then, and then obviously with that experience in mind, you go, you go through phases and I went to my mission and I came home and I, I didn't really think much about the visitation when I was 12, other than the fact that you told me that one day I would have some work to do and then i was to prepare for that by being you know spiritually prepared read the scriptures behave myself don't do anything silly and then in about 2000 2005 october 2005 i had another angelic encounter and um and that's when I started to part ways with the LDS Church. But I wasn't kicked out. I resigned my membership quite freely. I sent a letter in, resigned my membership. I never went through any excommunication or discipline or council. I just ended my membership. Okay. So can you tell us more about these visions? Because I understand, did, did you receive some gold plates or something? Or, or are those, is that something different? No, no. Um, okay, so in two thousand and five, I had an in two thousand and five, I had an angelic visitation, and in that visitation, I was told that there was going to come to me a record of the people or the four inhabitants of the British Isles, and that there were certain things I needed to do in order to receive them, and. That was the way it was. I'd had, and then I had visitations on and off. And then in 2006, I had a dream where I went to Stonehenge and I was called to Stonehenge. So my father and I went down to Stonehenge with a friend of ours. We had this wonderful experience at Stonehenge. And we all had our own individual experiences which culminated in, in one big experience, which told us that we were going to be given a, a record of these former inhabitants of the British Isles. And they would be with us in the coming uh, weeks and months ahead. So obviously we weren't going to, Al we weren't going to church at that point because we'd all left the LDS church, including my father and my mother. So we'd all left the church and my friend had left the church. So we weren't meeting formally to have church or take the sacraments or anything like that. And then in, I want to say August, it was the August of 2006, my wife and I, we stopped over at my parents' house and we stayed the night. We were going to go home the next day on Saturday. So my wife was obviously up early with getting my son ready to go home. 
And I heard my dad calling me from downstairs, Matthew, Matthew, come downstairs, something's here. My first reaction was, we you know, what's all the ruckus about? <laughs> Let's get downstairs <laughs> and find out, you know? And so I went downstairs and my, I saw my father holding a little wooden box. And I want to, I would probably say it's about, it was about the average size of a, of a big Bible. So, yay big. My, my dad took the, the box into, a, into his dining room and, and my wife said to me, I think you better go with him and have a look and see what this is all about. So I went into the dining room and we said a prayer first and then we, we just started to unload the box. And we unloaded the box and there were two sets of records. There was 24 plates wrapped in leather, I suppose. And there was another record which made up 10 plates. And then there was another little package in there as well. So we unwrapped them, had a look at them. Unwrapped. So these were gold plates, apparently? No, and they, they were brass. Brass, okay. Brass plates. They were, they were both, both sets were brass. So there were 10 brass plates and 24 brass plates. And they were both separate. And then we had a smaller package, which were interpreters. We found out they were interpreters at the time, what they were. And so, obviously, you know, we looked at them, we, we, we flipped the pages. They were inscribed on both sides, on both sets. Now, you said that, so th this box just appeared at your house or your father's house? It, 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 well, yeah. I mean, my, my dad tells that part of the story because he was the one that found them. My wife apparently was going out to the car through the front door of the house and she noticed on the doorstep of the house a box. So she called Phil, my dad, there's, there's a package here. It's just a wooden box. And my dad came to the door. My dad tells the story that as he, went, as he picked up the box, he saw a man walking away from the house in purple clothing purple robes and he walked away and he, my dad saw him turn the corner and that's when my dad picked up the box and brought it into the house so the first i knew about the box being there was when my dad showed me the box and went to the door my wife said you know i think you better go in there and that's pretty much where it all kicked off and then we called my friend and we, we told him you know we, we've had this this we'd have this like delivery this box and it's got plates and you know you better come over and have a look and my dad said well wait till tomorrow Let's wait till sunday so we all got together on the sunday and we all went through it we all looked and decided do we know what day this was do you remember what day it was well like, the records i think were delivered on the i want to i want to say it was yeah, the 23rd of September, I think. So we went to visit Stonehenge on the 19th of August, and they came. the records came to us on the 23rd of September. 2006. Yeah, and then we started translating on the 1st of October. Okay. And then we 
we decided only to work on the translation on on a Sunday. So this was just a messenger left a, a box on your dad's step, and then he just walked away. Didn't didn't tell you anything. No, 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 didn't say anything. Didn't wasn't glowing or anything. He looked just like a normal person with purple robe. Yeah, as a non well, say normal. My dad said he was about seven foot that he could judge from where he was at the door. So that's quite a tall guy. Yeah. But he said he was in purple robes and he was walking away from the house. And as he, as he walked away, he just turned the corner. As he turned the corner, my dad said he, he bent down and picked up the box. We, we later found out that person who delivered the box with the plates in them was the son of the main prophet or scribe of the plates. So we know his name. We know who he was. So his, his name is Ryanek. He is a son of Jaranek. And he was given the plates to deliver to us by God. So that really covers the delivery of the plates. And it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't like a Josie Smith experience where we had to march up a hill and take, you know, months and months of study and prayer over it. We knew it was coming because we'd been to Stonehenge and been told it was coming. Um, I think my dad said that he's... So you and your dad both kind of had this... Was it a vision you had at Stonehenge or was it a revelation? Or? Yeah, there, there were three of us at Stonehenge. There was myself, my dad, and my, and my friend who... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave his name out because that's his story to tell. But there were the three of us there and we got to Stonehenge. And you have to understand how far Stonehenge is from where I'm living at that time. It's like... It doesn't seem a lot to an American who probably travels, you know, I don't know, state to state very freely. But it was like a four-hour drive there and a four-hour okay. drive back. And just believe me, in England, that is a trek. <laughs> That's like from here to St. George. Or actually, St. George or Las Vegas, probably. Yeah, Yeah, I've got American friends and they say, oh, that's nothing, that's nothing, we do it all the time. I'm like, well, it was a big deal for us. <laughs> <laughs> we drove down early in the morning, it took four hours to get there. We stayed for roughly about an hour and a half, I would say. And then we drove back. But while we were there, you walk into Stonehenge through an avenue. And when we got when we got into the Stonehenge complex, we, we went aside, the three of us, and my dad said a prayer for the Lord to guide us while we were there. Just show us why have we been called here and show us what you need to show us. So we carried on walking around the stones, and it's, it's like a big circle obviously uh, mm -hmm. you go around and exit so when we got there nothing really happened at first i was just looking at the stones and looking at the surrounding countryside it's absolutely beautiful spot because stonehenge is on a on a slight hill and, and and of course the valley drops away it's actually really nice so anyway i'm looking around and i just i have an experience or a vision and i walk away from everybody else to the edge of the of the rope. So I'm overlooking the valley. And I see there a vision of the last battle that took place near the temple complex. And I saw a man, at the time I didn't know who he was, but I saw a man with a box. And I saw the man looking out over the remains of this battle. And then he walked back past me around me and into the temple and as i turned to look at the temple i saw stonehenge as it was not as it is 
And so I saw him walk into the temple complex and then that's when my vision ended. And I walked back over to my, my dad and my friend and they were saying, well, what happened? What happened? We saw you walk away. When you walked away, all the birds flew off the stones. And then when you came back, all the birds set back on the stones, which is very, very interesting. And, they, and, then my, and then as we were going further around, my dad has an experience where he's told that he will be the one that receives the box and he will be the one that has to look after the box until we translate. My friend had an experience where he saw the temple as it was. And, and then we, we'd been satisfied. We, we came for what we needed to come for. And so we, we went home. We went out of the complex, went back to Calandro, another four hours back home. And when we all got back, we were just blown away. And what was your experience like? What was your experience like? We told each other our experiences and wrote them down. And then we waited. And I say we waited till September the 23rd. And that's when it happened. And that's when really my life changed beyond compare, really, because I went from a position where I was not liked for leaving the church to a position where I was now, in their opinion, actively working against the LDS church. When you say there, you're talking about your congregation, your ward? Yeah, yeah, people we knew and bishops and bishoprics. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Elder Matthew Gill. In our next conversation, we're going to talk about his growing up in the LDS church and leaving. This doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. We're not, we're not doing what the, the scriptures, even our own scriptures are turned to. And I just felt this overwhelming feeling to get out of that room and get out of there. So I did. I got up and left and went into the, into the corridor. And my dad came out. What's the matter? You know, Vicky's upset. Vicky's worried. What's going on? That's my wife. I said, I, I can't stay. I've, I, I've just got to, I've got to get out. I, I, can't, I can't stay here anymore. And I never went back. Thanks for listening to Gospel Tangents. If you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, please subscribe at patreon.com slash gospeltangents. You can hear the entire interviews there. Also, check out our new, improved, uh, user-friendly website at gospeltangents.com. We've made it much more user-friendly, so check that out. Click here to subscribe, here for a transcript, and over here we've got more of our great videos. Thanks again.